Thank you. Wonderful. Well, it's great to be here uh, with you all again, and it's been just such good fun getting to know you all over the, the time that we've been, been coming here. As um, Keith has said, uh, I have the privilege of being part of the apostolic team that uh, Simon Holly uh, runs out of Bedford, which, uh, which you're part of as well, as they relate into to Catalyst, and together with Dave um, and some of the other guys, we, we kind of just gather those churches that are in this region which you're part of and it's brilliant fun to be able um, to do that and um, it's such an important time for you as a church and I think you know one thing I've been thinking about as, as I was asked to kind of come and just facilitate this process with you it's such a privilege actually to be doing it on Father's Day and actually before I get to speak about Nathan I, I want to honour Andrew, Andrew Ryland. Um, because actually he, he's been an amazing father in this house and there's no better day than to honour him um, than on Father's Day because the, the thing that we want to see as, as a father, if, if you're a father here, is you want to see your children go further than you've gone. And uh, I think Andrew has just been just exemplified what it is to be a godly father in training and raising up other men. And, uh, and Nathan is, is a spiritual son of Andrew's. And, and Andrew's expectation, I know, is, is that Nathan will go further than he's gone because that is the heart of a father for a son. And it's not something that's like, oh, oh, he's, he's done that now, is he? And I never, I never did that. But Andrew's heart very much will be to say, I want to see my sons excel far more than we did, as any natural father would. So before I begin, I just wanted to honour honor Andrew. And uh, I remember when I came here and Andrew announced that he was going to be retiring and moving away and, and Nathan was being considered, that I, I wept, I cried, because I just felt, wow, this, this is what fathering a church and fathering uh, sons and daughters really looks like. So you've been really well served with Andrew and uh, it's now an exciting time for us to kind of think about Nathan and what God's calling him to do. And um, I wanted us just to consider that what we think about kind of eldership and what does it mean to be a, a lead elder, to lead a team. And we believe that the biblical pattern of church leadership has eldership at its heart. Okay, so the biblical pattern for church leadership has eldership at its heart. It doesn't have eldership over, it has eldership at its, at its heart. And a team, by definition, I think, needs both a leader and more than one person. All right, I'm just putting it out there. All right, so for it to be a team, and we, we see that plurality of eldership, elders, including the lead elder, are responsible for leading you, the church, and they're equally accountable before God. The lead elder isn't more accountable before God than the other elders or elder or elders as they, as they lead, lead together. Each elder brings a unique kind of combination of gifting and experience to which we trust the rest of the team prefer and defer. They prefer one another. They defer to one another, releasing one another in their specific gifting areas to lead and so when you have a, a lead elder that's that's a kind of lead position but there'll be times in the team where actually Keith is more qualified to lead and so in that context Keith will lead 
You all right with that? You look like you've all just been caught in the headlights. It's all right. So it's okay. Thank you. Come on. So, so it's, it's, it's whilst Nathan is going to be responsible for leading the team, the team lead the church together. And there will be times, depending on gifting, as to who will be leading the team in any given context. Because it's based on gifting. Um, it's not on, on, certain, on, on like length of service or age. It's on, it's on gifting and calling. Um, and the elders, we trust, will lead the church with the help of their wives, with the help of ministry team leaders. Whatever the structure of your church looks like, elders will lead with them. Again, it's not an over-hierarchical setting. It's that sense that the elders are called and gifted to lead, but actually they lead with their wives. They lead with those people that have responsibility in the church as well, together. Okay? Um, hopefully this isn't new news. If it is, it could be a longer sermon than, uh, than I'd planned. Okay? But the elders are responsible for the oversight of the church, and their primary role is to set biblical vision and direction while seeking to release the church, you, to fulfill all that God has called you to be. That's their job, is to facilitate you being what God's called you to be. It isn't to drag you kicking and screaming into what God's called you to be. Okay? Their job is to, is to facilitate and release you, and, and you individually and you corporately, to be all that God has called you to be. Um, but having said all of that, Every team needs a leader. Um, and um, whilst they lead the, the church together, that, that team needs to be facilitated um, and led. And we, we call that individual a lead elder um, because he leads the eldership team. And he has a, a specific calling, we believe, an anointing and gifting to draw out the best in the other elders. So that's their, that's their role to envision them and to release them into their God-given call to lead the church with him. Okay, that's his, that's his primary job. So, as I've said, the lead elder's not more of an elder than the other elders. It's just that he's especially called and gifted and anointed to lead the team that leads the church. And this is, I believe, the pattern of church leadership in the New Testament. And uh, that's my dad calling. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> Tell him I don't want to speak to him. <laughs> um, sorry about that. I just got someone to phone, so you felt like I had friends. <laughs> That's what it was. You see, oh, he's popular. Someone's calling all the time. But it never rings. There we go. So it's the, it's the role of that lead elder that we're commissioning Nathan for. Um, this evening. And so I want us to, to just quickly turn to the book of Joshua in chapter 1. And uh, while you're looking for that, because I'm sure you've all got your Bibles in some form, either paper or electronic. Um, but while you're looking for that, uh, that chapter 1 of Joshua, um, the, just remember that the, the pattern of leadership in the Old Testament is different to the pattern of leadership in the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, uh, God was gifted one man and the Holy Spirit came on one man to lead the people. But in the New Testament, we've all been given the Holy Spirit. We can all hear God for ourselves and he comes on us and remains on us. 
but there's still things we can learn from that pattern of leadership. And I want us to, to look at that um, and see what we can draw out for Nathan and for the team here. So we're going to have a look at Joshua 1, uh, uh, 1 through to 18. Um, and um, I'm going to direct this primarily towards Nathan uh, as we read it. And so after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving to them, uh, you and the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make, uh, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days we are passing over this Jordan to go and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, uh, Joshua said, remember the words that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you saying, the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valour among you shall pass over armed before your brothers, and you shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it. And the, the land that Moses, your servant, the Lord God, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Now, there's a little bit of something in there that's a lot of being strong and courageous. So one would think that there's, there's good reason to need to be, to be like that. I'm just, again, putting it out there for you. Um, now, as we kind of look at this story from where you are, I'm pleased to say, as I've honoured Andrew, he's not dead. Okay, he's just in Leeds. All right? Um, and, and so it's not entirely parallel as we, as we look at that. But we, there are a number of similarities for you, I think, in this passage. Um, and did you notice that that all of the promises that God had given to Moses were carried over into Joshua's leadership. Joshua 1 verse 3, we read, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses. And so the promises that, that God had given you as a church under Andrew's leadership roll on. 
They keep going. They're not like, well, that's gone, and now we need to wait for fresh promises under, under Nathan's leadership because Jesus is the shepherd of this church. These guys are just the under-shepherds, okay? So in some senses, leadership's not really changed. It's just, it's just middle management's changing. And so therefore, the vision that Jesus has for this church, the promises that he's made over this church, remain. And so the reality is, Nathan, is, is that Andrew's left you an inheritance And that's what fathers do. Fathers work hard. They fight and win battles so that you don't have to. That's what an inheritance is. It's it's a free gift that a father has worked for that he gives to you that you haven't had to work for. And um, that's what we see. That's what an inheritance is. When you receive an inheritance, you're receiving the results of someone else's battle. And it's a free free gift. And so just as Joshua inherited the promises of God to Moses and the people of Israel, so you guys are inheriting the promises that God gave to Andrew for this church. And, uh, you know, the Lord would say, I believe, just as I've promised Andrew, so too I promise you. Um, So this commission, Nathan, that you've been given to lead the team and thus the church into all that God has promised them, Um, because they too, as a people, have an inheritance that God's promised them. You all have an inheritance that God has promised you. And Joshua 1 verse 6, we read, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to them. So part of your role... And I believe promise from God, Nathan, is, is that you get to lead this people into the, their promises. You're going to cause them to inherit the land that God's promised them. And this guy and this team are going to be the people that help you inherit the things that God has promised you. And that's why God has called them to, to lead in this way. Um, so we lead into a place of inheritance And I think that's a a really helpful verse that actually our role as elders is to to release you and help you come into all that God has promised you. And that's a big call. It's a big call. It's a high calling. It'll be challenged. And that's why Joshua so consistently is reminded to be strong and courageous. There's a a constant cry, isn't there? Only be strong and courageous. Why? Because actually it's not quite that easy Um, and sometimes you people don't always want to step into your inheritance when you should it's gone really quiet now okay but that's the reality which we don't we don't always want to move into what God's called us to and so that's why as elders we're called to be strong and courageous because we have to take courage and and sometimes help you lead you in a way that you don't necessarily want to go. But that's what leaders do. It's easy to be led when we're leading you where you want to go. How easy is it to be led when we're leading you somewhere you don't want to go? That's why we have to be strong and courageous. And so he's told six or seven times in those passages or through that book to remain committed to being strong and courageous and we have to dig deep you know even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me so be strong and courageous and 
you know, God promises, actually, he said, just as I was with Moses, so too I will be with you. And I think, you know, we can look at, at what Andrew did, what, how Andrew led, how Andrew was so full of the Spirit, so full of God, just as God was with Andrew, so too he will be with you. And um, that promise that, that God gives to Joshua, just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. He will always be there. And that's how come we get to be strong and courageous. It's not that we're fearless. It's not that we don't have any fear. It's just we have to keep digging deep and going, I'm going to overcome this fear by being strong and courageous. You don't have to be courageous if you don't have fear. Just putting that out there. You can have that one for free. All right? Be strong and courageous. God's with us. So God's calling us and you to be strong and courageous because that's the work that God's got for us. And so, actually, if you, as you read that passage, when, when we get into that second part, it's the people that then say to Joshua, we'll follow where you lead, only be strong and courageous. So it's not just God that's saying be strong and courageous. Actually, the people come back to Joshua and saying, yeah, we'll do all that God's called us to do, but you need to be strong and courageous for us. Keep being strong and courageous because it fills us with courage. That's what encourage means. It means to fill with courage. So when you encourage someone, we use it in a weird way. We sort of say nice things about them. And we say, well, that's encouraging. But actually, the whole point of encouragement is to fill you with courage. And you don't need courage unless you're overcoming fear. So when we truly encourage someone, we need to be saying, come on, I'm going to fill you with courage so you can overcome this fear that's preventing you stepping into all that God has got for you. That's real encouragement. Otherwise, it's just blowing sunshine. And that's nice too. We we should blow sunshine. We should be thankful for one another. And we should say you've done a good job. That's all great. But actually, to truly encourage someone, we need to fill them with courage so they overcome the fear that's stopping them stepping into all that God's got for them. So I think as well as what I find with this passage, it's funny what people say when they're not really thinking about it. Now, did you notice in that passage, towards the end, it said, just as we have obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. I'm not sure that's quite as encouraging as they meant it to be. Because, I don't know about you, but if you look at the beginning of Numbers 14, the title I've got in my Bible over that chapter says, The people rebel against Moses. So, when they say, just as we have obeyed Moses, so we will obey you, I'm not sure that's going to fill me with sort of strength and courage um, all the time. But I'm sure they, they meant well. But there was that sense of, really? You're going to be that good to me. You're going to moan and complain continually. Only be strong and courageous. So maybe they kind of knew how they were, because it was them that they then said, as we've obeyed Moses, so we'll obey you. Only be strong and courageous. So you'll need to be strong and courageous. And so, so I think that's, that's kind of where God's positioning you. And I think for, for how you lead, I think there's a few key points to make. Moses was renowned for passionately pursuing the presence of God. And so we need to lead into his presence, don't we? That's what, 
That's what we want. We want to be leaders that lead you into the presence of God. And we know that famous verse that Moses says, if your presence doesn't go with me, do not bring us out from here. But actually, he's, he's talking about the whole people. He says, for how shall it be known that I have found favour in your sight, I and your people? If you read that passage, it's, is it not with you going with us? It's all about us being together in the presence of God. And so Moses wasn't like, well, you know, if I'm not in your presence, I'm not interested. He's saying, no, we, we need to be a people of your presence. And so as leaders, we're to lead into the presence of God. But we do that by leading from somewhere. So we're leading into somewhere, into the presence, but we've got to lead from a place of intimacy. And we read in that passage about being strong and courageous that actually he's saying, meditate on the law, meditate on the word of God. Don't stray to the right or to the left. As I would call it, hold the, the ground of the radical middle. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. We have to, we have to lead from a place of intimacy and from a place of overflow. So you need to lead these people and you give them from your overflow. Because if you don't, you will dry up. And that's the reality. We have to dig, dig deep for intimacy and you give out of the overflow. And that's such an important thing to remember when we leave. We've got, to, we've got to lead from what's bubbling up from within us, not taking out of our reserves because eventually you'll dry up and that's not going to do anyone any good. So it's really important that Nathan and Keith and all of us actually when we lead, when we give, when we minister, that we're ministering out of the overflow. And that's why Joshua was called to, to not let the word of God sort of drift away. Meditate on it day and night. Don't stray from the right or to the right or the left. And in that Old Testament culture, that's what intimacy looked like. But actually, we are so blessed in the new covenant that the intimacy, yes, comes through reading the scriptures, but it comes through digging deep into that relationship with Jesus, into a relationship with Holy Spirit. And so we're to lead from that place of intimacy and, and overflow. And so that's what we're, we're commissioning Nathan into today. Only be strong and courageous. And so actually what I want to do is I want to ask, are you still up for it? Yes, sounding a bit like a wedding now, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I do. Okay, but actually it's important that this doesn't just kind of happen. That actually it's, 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 we're doing it publicly because we need to hear it publicly. And so now we've laid it out on the table and say this is what we're commissioning to you to do. It's important that we ask him, do you still want to do it? And by the way, for the, for the purpose of the recording, he said I do. All right? And so that's important. So that's step one. Okay, but I explained, didn't I, that actually Nathan's not leading the church. He's leading the team of elders who lead the church. And so we're commissioning Nathan to lead the team. So I now need to ask Keith, are you willing to be led by this man? It's really sounding like a wedding now, isn't it? I do, yeah. It does. Brilliant. That's good. It's important. We don't normally do it like this, but the reality is, is that Actually, in commissioning this one man, it affects this man. Okay? It's important that we make sure that he's up for it. And it's really important that we know he's up for it. And guess where I'm going now? 
Okay, the point is now, you, it's a bit like, will you have this man? But will you, do you now, as the church, accept this man to lead this team that's going to lead you? We will, amen, for the purposes of the tape. There we go, all right? But you're involved in this, because you're going to have to say to him, only be strong and courageous. And you need to remember that when you're kicking and screaming, and not maybe wanting to go where, where you're being led, is that sense? But, but I said yes. So you're in it now. You've said yes. You know, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. In sickness and in health. There's, it's actually, we're, we're doing this together. We're all involved. This isn't, just, this isn't just me coming and saying, yeah, I can see God's hand on this man's life and putting my hands on him to, to pray and the prophets coming and, and doing their thing. That, this, is, this is all of you are involved in this. This affects all of you. This affects the body because if, if we're one body and if, if, if the body suddenly rejects the head, there's a little bit of a problem. Yeah? And it's, it's true. We're, we're one body together. And so it's important that as we go through this process of commissioning that actually Nathan's involved, of course. The rest of the elders, Keith at this point in time, is involved. And now you as a church are involved. And as I said earlier, the elders lead with the, the support of their wives and their family. And we've had these conversations. You know, is Jenny like, are you still up for it? <laughs> Yeah, she's good, which is great. Ladies, are you up for dad doing it? Yeah, okay. It's important that this isn't just a done deal. It's important that we're together in this. You know, Joshua and Caleb got to the edge of the promised land with the promises of God, and they were ready to go and take it, but the people wouldn't come. And so they had to spend another 40 years wandering around. And so it's no point. I can, I, can, I can appoint this guy all day long, but if you guys aren't coming with him, he's in a, on a hiding into nothing. And so that's why it's important that we do it this way, that we're all involved. We've all said, yeah, and I've heard you and seen you. <laughs> all right? So when you email me going, Nathan's making us do this, I'm saying, well, you said yes. <laughs> but we're in it together, aren't we? It's important. And so, and so what I want us to do is, is get to that place which we've got to. And Joshua actually says it later on in Joshua 24. He says, you know, choose this day whom you will serve. But he says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And actually that's the kind of moment we're in now. It's just like, yeah, as for me and my house, we're going we're gonna to serve the Lord. And we're going to serve the Lord by recognising those that he's a He's called and appointed and anointed for us to help us come into all that we've, we've got. Not to rule over us, but to help us come into all that God's got for us. And so I think it's going to be great for us to pray for Nathan and for Jenny uh, and for the family, for Keith um, and for you ultimately as well. So what I thought it would be great if we could start with getting Nathan and Jenny up the front. Let's go. Brill. And 
I'm just going to invite, obviously, Keith to come and pray. Is your, is, is your wife here? She can come and pray as well. Um, and uh, I want to invite some of the other elders that I've brought with me. So Dan. See that? Now, Dan is a son of this house, for those of you that don't know. Um, so Dan grew up here. Thank you. Thank you for sending out your best. We are very grateful. Um, but I just thought it was kind of cool that, like, Dan is now an elder with me in Horsham, that he kind of gets to come with me and now lay hands on Nathan to lead the team of elders in the church that he grew up in. It's cool. It's cool. So, Guy, why don't you come up as well, Dan? And uh, Dave, Dave's part of my team as well, but he's an elder in another church. That'd be great to kind of come and, come and pray. And actually, we've got some... Friends with us who are prophetically gifted, so why don't you come up and pray? And Hazel, Nicola, if you can, I know you've got kids, so you're cool. But let's come up and pray, and then I'm going to invite you guys to come up and and pray from the church as well. Is this all being recorded? So we need to make sure, if you're going to pray, we use the hand mic, just so so it's recorded. Um, And uh, we're just going to pray. We're just going to pray for them, commission them. Um, and uh, prophesy over them, and then, and then it'd be great for whoever would like to, to come and lay hands on them and pray and prophesy over them as a family. Is that, is that okay? All right, you're going to get my best side now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> gather in, gather in. <laughs> 